0: Rewind with Usheen Langan.
1: And Terry for the second year in a row on Ravis. Miss reached the All-Ireland Final. They have beaten Tyrone in the Championship in Croke Park for the first time since 1986.
2: I did feel that perhaps we could have got some decisions different than they came our way. You know, so that that's, that's as much as I say about it.
3: Thankfully, our lads, I suppose, we've been in good few tight spots over the last couple of years and the lads had that bit of experience to just know to keep trying to do the right things and that it will come off and thankfully they made great decisions under pressure in the last five minutes shot one 0 chelsea the new signing has given chelsea the lead well what
1: a start to his chelsea career
4: samir nazari oh sensational football from manchester city samir nazari settles it
5: Look, it's for us a very important uh, game where the result will of course be vital, but uh, it's not definite, it's not a result really that we'll decide that. But for us in our head, we know it's a very important game for us.
6: Bolt gets out pretty well, so does Rogers. Gatlin's got out a little bit better though, and Bolt and Gatlin are right together here. It's Gatlin at the bottom. Here
4: comes you said Bolt and Bolt! Gets...
1: Coming up on the Rewind here on News Talk. more on all of that. And we get the analysis of Paddy Mulligan on the Premier League. While Paul Early looks back on Kerry's hard-fought win over Tyrone. And we preview next Sunday's semi-final between Mayo and Dublin. In Hurling Limerick's Cian Lynch battled hard for his side as they reached the Gosh Energy Under-21 final. We'll hear from him as well as his manager John Kiley and the losing Galway boss John Kelly. DJ Carey will be here. He'll throw in our senior final coverage. Bad news potentially. For Kilkenny today, Owen Larkin has apparently broken his thumb. In rugby, Ireland play their penultimate warm-up match against Wales at the Aviva next Saturday. We talk about World Cup preparations with Noel Mannion, who'll also reflect on the campaign of 91. He was part of that squad. First up, though, is football and Tyrone against Kerry. Before we hear from Johnny Buckley, who is excellent for the kingdom, let's have a listen to Tyrone manager... Mickey Hart.
2: They play their hearts out, they give it all they've got and um, I suppose we didn't get the rub of the green at vital times when it would have made a difference. Um, I suppose we didn't help ourselves either when we got the goal to close it to one point later on in the game. We failed to push on there and there were opportunities to get more scores which would have put Kerry under a better degree of pressure than, 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 than happened because we missed those scores. Is that the frustrating thing, that you got level and actually got in behind them and created chances but just couldn't seem to take them and then they took theirs? That is probably the most disappointing thing. Uh, it's good to show the resolve we did to get back into a, a position where we could win the game, but it was very disappointing that we didn't take those chances because you might say there weren't easy chances, but there were definitely very scorable chances. And on another day, you'd expect to get maybe two out of four. We didn't get any out of the three or four that we had.
1: After you got the penalty there was another potential penalty a couple of minutes later. What did you make of that? Because that would have been a big, big call in your favour had it gone your way but it didn't.
2: Yeah, well I'm going to have to wait and see the detail of that on television. I would be figuring we deserved a penalty but I don't know for sure because I haven't seen it. I wasn't near enough to make a definitive decision but uh, you quite often get penalties for for tackles like that in the box.
1: There was a lot of cards given on both sides. Marco Shea got a black card. I think two of your players definitely one got a black card. what did you make of the overall performance of the referee and the cards and some of those decisions?
2: Well, there's a number of people in there. I was speaking to the media in general and they were mentioning about consistency. And I would say, yes, consistency is the best thing that you should see in refereeing. And, you know, I let others judge whether we did see that today or not.
1: What did you feel on the sideline watching it live? And I appreciate, look, I know referees and comments and to run the season and all that, but what, what did you think? Uh,
2: Look, at, you know, I'm always going to be looking through Tyrone coloured glasses, so I have to bear that in mind. But I did feel that perhaps we could have got some decisions different than they came our way, you know, so that, that's, that's as much as I say about it.
1: And frustratingly, you did have chances in the second half, your kick-out strategy
2: didn't seem to function like
1: it did in the first half, they seemed to win more primary possession.
2: Yeah, well I think it was a bit of uh, we, we, we got a bit ruffled if you like the goalkeeper and his defenders just didn't connect as well as they did in the first half and you might say Kerry had something to do with that, maybe they had but I think we were a bit again the authors of our own downfall in that department and that put us under pressure which allowed them to get a number of points to give them a nice cushion to deal with the rest of the game so I uh, would be disappointed that too, I think we could have done better at that stage of the game in taking charge of our own position from from the kickouts And just finally for me, this is a
1: young team a lot of players coming through, to run obviously under 21 21- champions so you look well set up for the
2: future that doesn't guarantee anything but there are positives no well that's true I mean you can look at that and say you know if you come here and got a bad beating you'd say that you were better not been here I don't think that is the case I think we came here and we acquitted ourselves very well we showed that we're able to live with the top teams and if we build on that then it will have been not a total disaster but we need to see how that unfolds next year Tierney did well, despite the fact that he was up very late on
1: into Thursday night. Not ideal, um, not ideal preparation for him. Is that a thing that needs to be looked
2: at, that those things need to be get out of, got out of the way earlier? Well, you'd asked yourself the question, something that happened on the previous Saturday week, and you, you have to wait to the Wednesday of the, of the week of the match to go down for an appointment at 10.30 or 10 10.00 o'clock and didn't get into 10.30, wasn't finished at 12.30. That doesn't seem to be fair for players who are top-class athletes and who still have to go to their work in the morning.
1: And was that a disadvantage for you in preparation not knowing if he was going to be available and indeed the fact that he was up late you were probably waiting on word and just you know yeah like well
2: it, it, it was not helpful uh, but you know we had to deal with it they had to cope with it and we all had to deal with it so that's life but I think it could be handled much better.
1: James O'Donnell who takes it inside the 45 chips it down the line it's a shot squeezed by Barry John Keane who curls it over into the hill 16 end and that as they say is that Kerry four in front with 25 seconds left of injury time, class always tells and Kerry's class has stood out today against a very hard-working Tyrone team but it's not going to be good enough. Johnny Buckley, carried through to the All-Ireland Final. It was a hard-fought match.
7: It was for sure, it was for sure. Um, we always knew it was going to be, um, coming up against uh, Tyrone in All-Ireland semi-final. Um, they, they're, they're a very solid team, they raise their game that extra bit when it comes to the, the stage of the championship, so we always knew it was going to be a titanic battle and I think um, the conditions with the with the rain of the film made, um, made things a bit tougher, but we were just uh, delighted to pull through. It looked like you were going to pull away in the last quarter, but then they got back into it, they got the penalty, they got the goal.
1: What happened to you that they got back in and how did you get it right because he steadied it again after
7: that and popped over a few points mm-hmm. well I suppose we, we knew Tyrone were never going to give up and um, they, they, they got the penalty and stuck the penalty and it got a point shortly afterwards um, so I, I just remember looking on the field and um, I suppose before when the fellas used going to maybe go into their shell there was a lot of people stood up when that point went over and the game was level and just said look we need to turn the tide here again um, so it, it was just uh, I suppose fellas just said no look this isn't happening and we're, we were able to turn the tide get the ball up the, the right side of the field and um, I think fellas like Paul Ganey and Gooch and stuff when the ball went in it was sticking um, and thankfully the, the few scores went over as well. How did you look so comfortable with the ball inside
1: their defensive area? Was that something you prepared for by playing against I suppose increased numbers in training? I heard rumours of uh, 19 on 15 in training A's against B's or or
7: was it just you're good footballers and you showed that? Um, I think that it was a big focus on, on your skill set and um, again with the conditions especially just making sure that the ball wasn't two feet over Phyllis or wasn't down at his, down at his feet um, that everything was just done accurately and, and at pace so um, there was a big focus of that throughout the team and just look thankfully the majority of them stuck A couple of black cards a couple of yellow cards what did you make of it all? Um, I think taking taking the, the conditions into taking the conditions into play, that it was a very fair game. Um, there was a couple of couple of uh, heavy, heavy tackles and stuff like that. Um, but overall, no, I think with, with the conditions taken into consideration, that um, no, it was it was played in good state. And you just got the pat on the back from the manager. That's not bad. Yeah, that's always good. That's always
1: good. This is the rewind on news talk. In there, you heard from Johnny Buckley and Mickey Hart. Hart was relatively critical of referee Morris Deegan. So let's get a neutral view from former Ross Common player and Sky Sports analyst. Paul Early, who I started by asking uh, about the performance itself and the game itself.
0: Well, I think first and foremost, you have to give absolute enormous credit to both sides to put in a magnificent game of football, given the conditions. I don't think maybe any of us expected once the rain started to fall that it would be as attractive and as open a game. And, uh, you know, I know there were a lot of mistakes uh, in in the game, but I thought the quality of football, given the conditions, was absolutely of the highest calibre and great credit is due to both teams for putting in that level of performance.
1: Kerry made a big switch at halftime, bringing off Kieran Donaghy. Seem to work they powered on and they weren't doing too badly but just a bit more balls stuck in there in the second half
0: well, I think that's what distinguishes Kerry from a lot of other teams is from probably midfield up to the best in the business and and they can employ different attacking strategies uh, and uh, you know, they're, they're not predictable and Certainly, in the first half, they kicked a few balls long into Kieran Donahue Wet conditions probably didn't suit that type of game, but he caught one magnificent one before half time. When Paul Ganey was introduced in the second half, and um, Justin McMahon was still marking him, he had more pace, obviously a bit more mobility, and was was moving, was giving them a focal point in attack, and he certainly changed the game. And uh, you could see out, you know, when Colin Cooper played a little bit deeper, and Donegal Walsh got started getting into the game. They knew they had a player inside who was going to make those runs, and you know that they were going to be able to find him with with those passes and I thought that was the winning of the game
1: A couple of contentious calls out there a couple of black cards, a couple of yellow cards, penalty decision penalty not given also for Tyrone, what did you make of those calls?
0: Well I thought the first black card Marcus Shea was absolutely right, I think (laughs) it was clear cut, I think um, there was a second one given, I think Tyrone McNabb um, which was probably not technically a black card but it it was, you know, he did pull down or he did stop, cynically stop Colin Cooper, I think Shane Enright was very lucky uh, that uh, he certainly pulled down a Tyrone attack around the middle of the field after that and, and didn't got, got a yellow when he should have got a black uh, the first penalty I thought you know, looking at it, it was a penalty I thought uh, Killian Young just came across with his hand across the shoulder the second one I didn't think of it I didn't think when I looked at it initially that it was the Pork McNulty incident that it was a penalty but looking at it on reflection uh, in replay uh, I thought that that was probably as much if not more of a penalty than the first one and I thought uh, Tyrone were really unlucky not to get that one Better team won though, so I suppose it it, it balanced itself out. Or was it a case that if they got the goal then, who knows? Well, I think, you know, when you think about it, uh, Kerry didn't create any goal scoring chances, Tyrone created five. Uh, and uh, a lot of them were fairly clear-cut chances. You know that I think in the centre of the middle of the second half, the Mark Bradley shot that was saved by Brendan Keeley, and shortly after that, Tyrone McCann had one where he pulled it on the pulled on the ground and went narrowly past the right-hand post. That was two. They also had the two in the first half which they didn't take. Uh, they had the penalty as well, and and the disputed penalty as well. So that's that's six potential goal-scoring opportunities against zero uh, on the other side. So if, if Tyrone had taken any of those in the middle of the second half, it could have been a different game. And I think Kerry will be worried about. The openness of their defence when teams run at them Can Mickey Hart feel aggrieved? Well and, you know, Can he look at it and say well maybe our, because of our reputation we didn't get certain decisions Well you know I, I'd say the only decision that I'd questioned probably that would have had an impact in the game was that, that second penalty potential penalty decision the Porek McNulty one where as um, on a first look for me I thought it, 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 I didn't think it was a die but I didn't think it was a penalty either but on replay you know I certainly thought in a man he had his arms around him um, and uh, so he might have been aggrieved with that yeah. Uh, but I don't think anything else. I, th- I thought it, 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 a game like today was always going to be a difficult one to referee. But I thought just Kerry's composure and uh, passing ability. And uh, when Ganey came on, just gave him that other outlet up front.
1: And a quick look ahead to Mayo against Dublin next week. That has the potential to be a cracker.
0: Well, I think the championship needed today's game. It needs another really big one next week. You know, It's apparently a sellout. And uh, two teams, again, You know, maybe quite similar styles in many ways. They play attacking football. Uh, they go for it. Uh, Mayo, obviously, we're all intrigued to see, will they employ... A more defensive strategy against Dublin. Uh, this this time they obviously have in O'Shea up front, which is a new a new attacking strategy, which has uh, been been of great uh, success for them so far. So it's going to be absolutely intriguing, and uh, I'd expect it to be as close as today's game.
1: This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Paul Early. Still to come, a more detailed look at next week's semi-final between Mayo and Dublin. First though, it's the Premier League and Paddy Mulligan is with us. Paddy, formerly of uh, Chelsea, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Ireland and Shamrock Rovers. Uh, To name just a few. Paddy, a busy weekend but tonight really is the big one. Arsenal, Arsenal, taking on Liverpool
5: oh yeah a huge game certainly, certainly a huge game well a huge game for both clubs because Arsenal got beaten by West Ham in the first game of the season at the Emirates which is a huge surprise to me Liverpool have, have, have won their two games um, they're coming off of a, a bad defeat there last year 4-1 I believe it was um, if memory serves me correctly and they got a, they got a real hammer um, Liverpool have an awful lot to prove as, as, as Arsenal do because uh, neither team can can afford any slip ups this evening. Um, who's going to win it? Eh, very difficult to say. It'd, it'd probably be fancy an Arsenal um, with, with with home advantage and Sanchez back. Sanchez uh, is a massive player for them. I think um, Giroud up front. He'll be reasonable if once once Arsenal play Cazorla in the centre midfield. I always feel that they have a, have a they've got a better balance to their team. It's when they play him out wide in the right or left that I think he loses uh, a, a lot of authority that that he would he would therefore gain. There's a doubt about Henderson for Liverpool. Um, I'm not so sure it's going to make that much of a difference. Um, being a Liverpool fan, I'll probably just go for the draw in the hope that Liverpool and Brendan Reuters' project starts to improve a little bit and that defensively they're a little bit more. Um, hard than they were last Monday night against Bournemouth because they uh, Bournemouth really uh, should have won the game
1: Yeah, Liverpool have been unconvincing isn't that right uh, Raf Diallo of team 33 and off the ball
8: they have been the only thing is obviously they haven't conceded any goals so there is a bit of solidity there and it's probably something that Rodgers is at least trying to build a platform heading into this season in comparison to where they have been the last few seasons where you know, defensively they've been quite shambolic to say the least they've um, been very kind yeah, well <laughs> it's my way it's my way of uh, kind of dealing with these situations yeah. but look you'd still have a worry there because we've seen Lovren struggle for the last well at least since he's joined the club uh, Skirtle has never really been overly convincing so look if they can if particularly if they can get the likes of Cazorla Ramsey um, and Sanchez kind of running off Henderson and Milner I would Be fairly confident that Arsenal can come out on top, but again, sometimes they actually they have struggled at home of late as well. Like I mean, towards the end of last season, they weren't exactly winning games at the Emirates, and I think part of that might have to do with just the way teams set up against them, as West Ham did, just block the middle portion of the uh, of the pitch. I wonder
5: Um, will Liverpool have the gumption to go and do that, you know? And then there's there's also, uh, um, as you quite rightly pointed out, Skirtle Skirtle was all over the place last Monday and should have given away a penalty. I mean it is arms around uh, the Bournemouth uh, players at different uh, stages, be it a, be it from a corner kick, from a free kick, and the referee is looking directly at them. I cannot for the life me, and I've spoken to referees about this, and they're saying yes, it should be a penalty, but nobody's given penalties. They all say yes, yeah. it should be a penalty, but nobody has given them. So the quicker they start giving penalties and Skirtler want to get a grip of himself because instead of getting a grip of, of, of the opposing players in the 18-yard box and if, if I can say it Rogers should say it and Rogers has, has got to sort him out one way or the other because he's been at this for the past few seasons and they're going to get done at some point.
1: If I was a Liverpool defender though I'd feel very comfortable because he doesn't have too many options Brendan Rodgers.
5: I wouldn't be that comfortable <laughs> no, but what I mean is you, you know, I know that I know, you're in I know, any way. Yeah. I know, I know exactly what you're saying but I, I'm, 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 I'm never comfortable uh, watching Liverpool d- uh, these days under um, on, on the Rogers because I feel they're about to implode at any given moment and and I just hope that tonight they, that that doesn't happen to them. They did last year at, at at the Emirates. It just became an absolute shambles. Now the saving grace is that Moreno probably won't be playing at left back tonight. So at least that's that's one plus because he's a dreadful dreadful defender. He has the capacity to take people on and go forward. Brilliant at that. But first and foremost, he's a defender and he's got to know how to defend. And Brendan Rodgers and his coaching staff have got to teach him if he doesn't know, which I doubt that he does know, but then he has to be taught how to defend, what angles to make, when to, when, when to get on cover, when to get his tackle in, when to go tight, when to lay off. He's got to know these things and this is all basis of, of defending that he just doesn't have a clue about at this moment in time. Playing in the Premiership, he doesn't have a clue. Sad.
8: And Benteke, um, we, we've obviously seen him play twice, score once. A goal, obviously, that shouldn't have been given. Shouldn't have I been mean, given, yes, exactly. What have, what have you made of his kind of introduction so far? How Liverpool? I wasn't convinced him of him at Aston Villa. Yeah,
5: no, I wasn't convinced him of him at Aston Villa, and and and, and I'm still not convinced that was the right it was the right buy. I think there's a, he's got a, a a lot of proving to do. Um, I don't think it's as bad a buy as Balotelli—not anything near it. I don't think and, a lot of people and, are, <laughs> and maybe and, or, or Andy Carroll for that matter, um, or, or 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 Lambert and Lambert with the best will in the world just. Doesn't have the legs for the Premiership. It's as simple as that. Um, but benteki the, the the jury for in, in my head will be very much out on benteki He's got an awful lot to prove, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, his touch was quite quite reasonable last week, but he's got he's got to be far more mo- mobile and really put himself about in that 18 yard box. But Liverpool, you know that they, they 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 can flatter the save sometimes. Everything is square and back and square and back, and and, and and then they're waiting for the right moment. You never have the right moment. Uh, to go and get yeah. it sling in across you've got to just get that ball across the face off but make sure then are not alone that Benteke is in there but he's got midfielders coming in to, to, to support him as well because Liverpool, if, if Liverpool would get 20 goals a season from, from some, of, some of their midfielders they, they'd be right up there but they're not getting that so he, that's another area that Ryder's got to work on to get people forward when the time is right
1: Paddy prediction for tonight to Arsenal Liverpool I'm
5: going well with my liverpool hat on I'm going to go for a draw in the hope that uh, the project that we t- keep hearing about from from uh, Mr Rogers starts, starts bearing some fruition and that defensively that they're they're not flattering to deceive at this moment in time, but they're they're a lot more solid.
1: Okay, obviously, if you're listening to this on Monday, that's a relevant conversation. Even, you know what, even if the game is gone, you're listening to this on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever. See how wrong we were. (laughs) Well, there's still a lot of salient points in there about uh, Liverpool. Uh, Let's talk about the weekend at large. Chelsea getting a 3-2 win away to West Brom yesterday. Pedro... With a an opening day goal for him, his debut yeah, goal. Yes, so the three it?
5: Spanish players getting it as well. Yeah, wasn't I think he... the last time that happened was in, in with, with Swansea, wasn't it? With...
1: I thought you were going to say 1951. No, Mayo. no, no, no. Because everyone is no, comparing no. everything with 51 from a Mayo point of view at the moment.
5: Go on. Yeah, and and even Crow Patrick was was was, was, was cancelled in 1951 right. because of the weather, and so they're they're clinging to the, the Mayo people are clinging to real uh, real hopes there that that uh, luck will come their way this this uh, this year. Um, I doubt it, but however. Um, and where were we? Chelsea oh we were at Chelsea Where were we? yes did very well Pedro is magnificent uh, what he does and he does it so well he runs at people at, at every opportunity he's attacking people and you know the great thing about, well, of course this is Barcelona as soon as he loses the ball which was very rare yesterday but he did lose it once and he's back tracking straight away and winning the ball back uh, to go on the attack again his goal his goal was smashing Simply because he went and attacked people and defenders do not like to be attacked and he went and hurt them and went through the, went through the middle. Yes, Olsen got a, got, a, got a bit of a touch to it but it, it, was, it was still the creativity from Pedro was there. He had only one thing in his mind when he received the ball. Let me go with these defenders. Love it. Brilliant, brilliant.
8: Yeah, and it actually goes back to something I think Pat Nevin said. Uh, he said it a few times that I suppose the last missing key for Chelsea was to have a right-sided hazard. Now, I know Pedro's not an exact replica in terms of the type of player he is, yeah. but the fact that he is top class. The other thing I think a lot of people have been saying Matic he's not providing the same level of protection. Oh well, not the, court, not anything yeah. near it.
5: He 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 was actually very, very bad himself and and, and Zuma um well well Matic particularly for the first goal and, and Matic again for the second goal. But Zuma in the John Terry sending off I mean Zuma should have been back, covering for John Terry. Instead he's about seven or eight yards ahead of him. No, so John Terry has never been has never at any pace so therefore, you got to just say, I better cover just in case. Because as a defender, you should always be thinking danger. And it's not a negative thought. Danger all the time. That uh, Terry is going to miss the ball. Or Cal is going to miss the ball, or Aspellaquella is going to miss the ball, or Ivanovich is going to miss the ball. That's what you have to do. And Zuma did. I know he's only a young player, but he's got to get that into his game very, very quickly because the Premiership is unforgiving. And if Morrison had converted the penalty early on, that would have been very, very interesting, interesting to see what way, way that game panned out. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that Chelsea would have got to three points, but however, look at they've they've gone on one at 3-2. And, and, and I thought over, over the 90 minutes, probably deserved to do so, especially with playing for 10 men, with 10 men for about uh, 37 minutes. People are saying, well, Terry shouldn't have been sent off well I'm not the opinion that it, uh, uh, Clantenberg got the decision correct that uh, Terry was the last man and he was badly positioned himself in the first place not to mention Zuma and therefore he was caught
1: Manchester City beating Everton 2-0 away from home 3 from 3 oh, now yeah. for them
5: Smash on, and, and they've, got, they've got 9 points 8 goals no goals conceded and this is the Man City that you love to go and see play, I mean, they they, they went to West Brom, hammered them three uh, nothing, took Chelsea apart at at at, at the Etihad. I know they've gone to uh, um, Everton, and Everton is not an easy place to, to to go and get a win. And they they were absolutely brilliant yesterday, and Silva pulled all the strings. I was surprised that that to a degree, that um, Martinez didn't maybe stick somebody on Silva when he saw that Silva was on his game, and I would have been thinking the likes of of, of James McCarthy, who did very little in the game again ye- uh, yesterday, except. To, to allow Nasri uh, to run past them for the second goal never tracked him back and that's something James McCarthy has got to be looking at but I thought maybe he might have just stuck if, if not James McCarthy so, but James McCarthy would have been the one who would come to spring to my mind to go and stick him on Silva and do a man marking job because Silva is more beneficial at, in my view uh, to City than what McCarthy would be to Everton, so you wouldn't be you wouldn't be losing uh, a, a a player who, who who's who's spraying the ball all over the place and, 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 and being creative. So I just thought that maybe he might have tried that for a while, and even for ten or fifteen minutes, just to see what way Silva went then. But however, he, he didn't go and do that, and, uh, and City do what they what they do best when they when they get time on the ball and they get space, they will absolutely destroy it, and that's what they, that's that's what they've been doing.
8: Yeah and uh, actually just talking about Everton as well John Stones is obviously in the news at the moment because apparently Chelsea are interested they've bid three times failed with each, with, three, with all three of those bids so far what do you make of him as a defender?
5: I haven't seen I haven't seen enough of him I mean he's only been up, 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 uh, he only came in from Barnsley uh, last year I think that it's a huge amount of money to pay for a, a, a young lad who just has, has uh, 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 is not a proven uh, Premiership player yeah um Yes, the potential is there, but potential could remain there. The potential is there with Sterling, but you may not you know you may not realise the potential. And maybe John Stones. up, but they're 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 talking they're talking him up no end. But I can't figure that one out. Uh, you know, just after one season, if uh, uh, Mourinho wants him for cover over the next two or three years. Well, then I can, I can understand that uh, to a degree because John Terry is not going to be around in the next two or three years and no better people to learn from than, than the likes of Ivanovic, Terry, Carl. And for than then, he would at Chelsea. He'd he got a great grooming down there, and if he can't perform there, well, he's not going to perform perform any place. But Martinez has been very bullish about it that they, they they don't want to sell their best players, but down the years they've gone and done that, and it'll be very interesting to see between now and the end of this month whether whether Solans Solans goes or not. I happen to think that he will go uh, to Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, which look, which uh, will be a decent, yeah. which will be a decent move for him, provided that the potential that's there. That that realised because if it if it's not, it only ever remains potential. And we've all seen players who have been they look world beaters on yeah. occasions, and potentially they were going to be great and this that and the other. Boom. No, nothing nothing ever happened. I can think of quite a few Irish players who are, who are still playing their trade in, in 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 England, who 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 never never realised it. Yeah. James James McLean, for instance, when he came on uh, with Rafa, uh, not sorry with with uh, with uh, Trapattoni in an international match, the crowd rose to him and Trappertani said well I thought it was George Best and Eusebio uh, and, and Pele all rolled into one but no, we, haven't, we haven't got anything near that with, with James McLean I'm afraid
1: well, hopefully he'll live up to that still a bit to go in his career and uh, he's in the Premier League with West Brom uh, just before we let you go Manchester United taken off again yesterday well, you yeah, see, I'm looking at the positive side He started That's what I'd look at I'd, I'd say he started uh, look well, you see, you're,
5: you're from Waterford That's the, that's the problem
1: that's our, Yes, exactly It's our acceptance of average Listen, just before we let you go uh, Manchester United drawing nil all With Newcastle in Old Trafford
5: Yes, and, and, and talk about boring, boring, boring I, I, I watched it on Saturday And, and uh, I got my weekend off to a bad start uh, watching, watching United and Rooney is only a shadow of, of, of his former self. There's absolutely no. As a matter of fact, I I probably feel a bit sorry for the for anybody who's playing up front for Man United because every ball is square and back and keep possession. And the, and, and the front men like Falcao was last year are making runs and then the space is gone and if they have to do another run and the space is gone there because the ball is just not coming in it's not going in too, uh, as quickly in my mind as it should to, uh, to Rooney Rooney needs quick ball in and, and and have midfielders coming onto him, just like Skull's gigs.
1: Uh, is that because of the structures, from. or it's is that structure. because of the players that are there now?
5: Yeah, it's the players that are. Well, it's the structures that Van Hal is, is after imposing, and that's the way that's, that's the way Van Hal wants to play. So it's not going, it's not going, to, it's not going to get any better for United while he, while he continues on in that vein.
8: Yeah, and I suppose Rooney's uh, kind of tendency to also kind of pull back into midfield is probably probably doesn't help that either. I would guess, apart from that goal that was ruled out, where he did actually kind of run in behind the. defence And
5: I thought he was onside
8: uh, yeah, I think yeah, I thought he was on sure Yes, yeah. yeah, so I
5: thought he was onside Although the the commentators were saying no, he's offside. And, yeah. and looking at it in real time, I thought no, he's he's on He's got to finish it, and he finished it brilliantly. Yeah, like, no. But that's 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 what he can do. Which he, he, I I always feel that when Rooney starts drifting back into in, into into midfield, that he's copping out.
1: Oh really? Yes,
5: that's what I feel. I feel that he's he's opting out. He's saying to himself, oh, I get much up here, so I better get back into midfield. Does he have a no choice cho- though, play? Because I mean, do- there- he does no- have a choice. He should stay up front. And there's up, going up there too But much. it's up to the midfielders, and it's up to him to say to Van Hal Look, I'm staying up here.
1: Yeah.
5: My midfielders, Schneider and Schwe- uh, uh, Schweinsteiger, these people are not giving me the ball that should be coming through. Now look at previous video, videos of the way that we he, he, we played at Man United and see what way I, I was utilised.
1: But you just said that, that the players were there to give him the ball. Then whereas he wants to be involved.
5: Well Schweinsteiger, so, Schweinsteiger should be a player to yeah. give him give him the ball. But Schweinsteiger now is just posing. He's overweight, he's a bit of stone overweight. He's all over the place, Schweinsteiger. He's been a magnificent player. Don't get me wrong for Bayern Munich for Germany, but. At Thirty, thirty-one years of age. He then comes into the Premiership. Why didn't he come when he was twenty-two or twenty-three? Is my concern is, is this a pension for Schweinzier? Because I don't think he, I don't think that he's anywhere near fit. Hopefully, he will get fit, and he would be a huge asset for Man United. But they've got to get people in midfield who can go and play the ball forward and and, and let Rooney make those runs. Now maybe maybe another thing is that maybe Rooney isn't capable of making those runs anymore. Don't forget he's been in the Premiership since he was sixteen years of age, and what did he know about twenty nine? So that's thirteen years that he's been he's been on the go, and he's been been the main man at Man United for a, for a great length of that time. So maybe he's he's burned out to a degree. I said three or four years ago when Fergie was there that when City came in, get rid of him, because you're not going to see United. I thought had seen the very best of Rooney, and I I would still stand by that. Because he he hasn't scored now in ten games, so it'll be interesting. But I feel I do feel sorry for any front men playing uh, playing up there when Hernandez come on. No matter who it is, but and that's that's a that's a huge concern. Plus he's got a a a big problem at at centre half as well.
8: Yeah, and but you'd kind of look at United like that line behind him as well. There's a lot of goal scoring ability there with Mata. uh, Januzaj and uh, Depay or Memphis, uh, as he uh, as he wants to be
5: Memphis, called. Mem- Memphis, Tennessee,
8: yes, indeed. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, he. I suppose with with them in behind there, maybe it's better to kind of use Rooney as almost a decoy runner, uh, and ja- create space for yeah. those three. I think that. I
5: think that. I think that Janus, uh, Janus I, uh, Rooney Rooney is the best finisher, in my estimation, of 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 those people, including yeah. Memphis. Memphis got lucky uh, to a degree against Bruges, where the defending from Bruges was absolutely appalling. But take nothing away from him, he finished. He finished. Both goals absolutely brilliantly, no question about that. Janazai, I believe, will be gone from United. He's, I don't believe he's a Man United player, I think his head is all over the place.
8: What, I don't think
5: his attitude is right. Would you think I watched more, him again.
8: Would you think that's more of Van Hal's fault for maybe not putting the trust in him that Moyes did because he did seem to show a huge deal of potential when he was there first.
5: Again, we're back to potential and okay. that's what he and that's what he showed and that's where that, that to me is where it ends even at this early stage of, of his career. And and, and it'll be very sad. I never like to see players who have huge potential to uh, to go the way of the of the weird and the wonderful. But it looks if I can't get his head around the way Van Hal is 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 managing. Can't and get his head around uh, Man United, and it's a big ask for a young lad to go and, and, and perform at Old Trafford. Let's be very clear about that. I mean, the expectation in Old Trafford is every week you're performing to the very, very best of, of your ability. Now, and that's not happening, and fortunately, as well, the crowd haven't, haven't got at him either. But when that's not happening, he's got to take a long, hard look at himself and say, Well, maybe I'm better off going out alone for a while and make myself stronger. Because to me, he looks weak physically and he looks weak mentally. And if he's, if he's weak in both of those areas, he's got big problems.
1: OK, Paddy Mulligan and Raph Diallo, thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast. Uh, Raph, when can we catch up with Team
8: 33 this week? We're back the usual time, Tuesday midnight. And by a quirk of luck, the podcast comes out before uh, the show actually does. OK, Raph and Paddy, thank
5: you. Pleasure indeed, Ocean. Thank you.
1: Thank you. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Still to come, rugby, more Gaelic football. And DJ Carey begins our build up to the All Ireland Senior Hurling final between Galway and Kilkenny. First though it's the Board gosh Energy Under-21 Championship. On Saturday there was a double header of semi-finals in Thurless. Uh, Wexford and Limerick coming out on top there. The southeastern side beating Antrim 120-18 to while Limerick drove on late to beat Galway 120-17 to points. Now after the game we spoke with uh, Limerick captain Cian Lynch and Galway manager John Kelly. Um, he talks about why his team didn't perform and the disadvantages that they're up against remember Galway come into this competition at the semi-final stage so that can't be easy first though it's Shannon Sider's boss John Kiley
6: yeah we're, we're delighted with the lads performance they worked really really hard we knew they were going to do that like the last two games we left it all out in the pitch as well so it's, it's a kind of a trademark of the team that they're going to work very very hard uh, we knew coming into today that this was a serious Galway side you know you only had to look at last Sunday and look at the previous Saturday night with the, the all Ireland Intermediate win as well you know these are top class Galway sides so listen we played well we worked hard we took our chances and I suppose that's what it's all about you know even the goal we got came down to a hard work right at the end of the day you know Tom just kept on taking the hits and on his knees even struck the ball, you know, it's just sheer determination and effort really and that got, got us across the line. What did you
1: say at half-time? Because you had a significant lead and then Galwick
6: yeah. uh, clawed it back. Yeah, listen, we just had to regroup and, and get our, our shape right and, you know, that was the key to it really. It was very simple, there was no need for any row the ball, it was about just getting our shape right again and, you know, redoubling our efforts to go at it hard again for the second half. There's no game won in the first 20 minutes and the last 10 is when it counts and that's when we had it tonight.
1: Your lads always look strong in the second half. What does that come from? Does that come from the training? Does that come from their hurling smarts? Does that come from the fact that a lot of them have played together for a long time now between under 21 and minor?
6: Yeah, listen, they're, they're together a long time since they were under probably 12, you know, and they've worked hard all year and they've done the work in the gym and they've done the work on the pitch. You know, there's just a great old resolve amongst them and a great resilience amongst them. They've had good days and they've had bad days and, you know, that, that counts at the end of the day when it comes down to matches like this and just... We're on a good roll. We've got great momentum with us now and we're going to try and carry that on to the final.
1: How much does Limerick need an All-Ireland title? Because you've come close at minor grade, even last year senior grade came close. You know, it, It's close, but if, if you don't
6: win it, maybe it's one that you'd regret. Listen, we need an All-Ireland senior title, not 21s. You know. It's all about developing the players and you know they have to look forward to the future and contribute to whatever they can to Limerick winning the uh, Lee McCarthy Cup. That's the bottom line. And if it takes four years, five years, six years, whatever it takes this crop of players are going to be involved in it. Uh, they've got the ability, they've got the determination and commitment. And like, OK, we're in an under 21 final, uh, but ultimately for Limerick people, it's about winning a senior title down the road. So we need to just keep working hard, uh, regardless of the outcome the next day. We need to work hard for the next number of years to see if we can do that.
1: And it is Wexford in the final, I suppose Wexford in the final yeah. will not bring back good memories for Limerick people. Well, not, but not uh, great,
6: now and I was a sub the same day, so I, <laughs> I haven't still brought myself to watch it on video. Uh, listen, yeah, th- this is a great Wexford team, the way they demolished Kilkenny in the Leinster final. They haven't really had, had anybody really take it to them today, you know, and they were at the ease outside there today, and probably trained hard all week, even coming into it, you know, so listen, we're going to be rightly up against this. It's going to be a huge challenge, for sure. Uh, we'll have a crack.
1: John Kelly, Galway manager. A strong finish from Limerick, I suppose, is the difference in the end.
9: Yeah, Limerick finished well and, um, you know, we uh, had no answer to it when um, they got the goal it changed the game. I suppose they were that bit in front at the time as well, like, so, um, you know, disappointed again, like. You just never really got into it in the second half. Why was that? No, I suppose fatigue maybe, I don't know, really. Like, I mean, some of those guys have a lot put in with the senior set-up, but that's not an nice excuse either. But anyway, having said that, uh, we didn't perform, I suppose, and that's the, we paid the price there.
1: There's a lot going against you, though. Obviously, no game before this. And as you say, a lot of your boys involved in the senior setup, and even more involved in the intermediate setup. It's good that they're playing high-level hurling, but when you don't work collectively together and don't get games, it's always going to be a struggle.
9: Yeah, that's a possibility, I suppose. You don't know until you get onto the field. There's other times, you, you know, you'd say that would work and it would know, click and they'd fire away and that's it. it didn't, that didn't uh, certainly maybe had a burden on what, we, what happened today there, yeah. You didn't get uh, supposed to ball into the, the, the scores at the right time. Why was that? We got some ball in there, like I mean, the Limerick backline we're, were were tidy enough back there. Like they were very strong in the air in the first half. There we had to change things around a bit, see and get some bigger men under the dropping ball. But I suppose, uh, yeah, we turned it around coming up to our half time. Like we were, once we were six points down. We brought it into level at half time, you know, and then it the start the second half again, Limerick. We went a pint up, but Limerick came in a, in a in a burst there for about ten minutes and you know pushed on. And ultimately we couldn't we couldn't regain the lead. I know you're not using it as an excuse and that's very admirable but surely it's impossible
1: when you don't get a game before this you can't just step up against a team who are battled hardened like Limerick who came through Munster
9: uh, sure, uh, yeah look it's not excuse because it's not my place to, to, to say how, the, how, how it should be set up look obviously one to one is an awful important grade um, certainly one game at the end of the year we had into media thing this year and it was great uh, it gave guys games but um is it is it competitive enough when you see the the pace of, of that game in comparison? It's it's something, but it's not everything really, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe someone should look at that. I suppose ultimately it is disappointing because enough of your guys maybe didn't play well enough. Yeah, but we have to give credit to Limerick. Like we can't be going on about ourselves here now. Like I mean, Limerick held very well. They're a really good team. Like came through a good monster campaign, you know, and some great hurlers going around the field there. Like so, yeah. As we say, all credit to Limerick. Better team and deserve the win. Cian Lynch of Limerick, you have reached an All-Ireland Final, how does that feel?
3: It's what every young fella dreams of, you know, same last year with the Miners and the year before. look, we're playing to play with your county, to get to All-Ireland Finals, but look, we're going to go out and play, we know we're going to be up against it against Wexford, as I said, Conor MacDonald and their team are brilliant, so we'll have to give them the utmost respect and go out and see what happens, and look, we'll keep the heads down now from here until the final, please God, it goes well. Let's talk about the bad before the good. A fade out at the end of the first half. Not the first time it's happened to you this year. Oh jeez, we're having a few lulls. Like we kinda we always say it though, every team gets their purple patch and then there's a lull you know. We had ours and Galwick came back on top. <clears throat> it was kinda neck and neck. But look, we went in at half time and said to ourselves, look, we'll go out, it's nil all again, start of a new match and whether we win one nil, two nil or for down with one point to go or down one point with two minutes to go, we said we'll keep going. Thankfully Tom got the goal there to kinda pull away you used the ball extremely well in that second half and physically you were on top now where does that come from does
1: that come from the amount you played together does that come from confidence does that come from you know
3: working together and having success in the large part over the last couple of years at under 21 and minor level uh, It's just we kind of pull it together It's a great old bond there between us we're all a great old unit but look the first thing you have to say is believe in yourself like, and that's what we're doing we're going out we're hurling with our hearts in our sleeves and look Limerick needs it, and that's what we need. We saw Galway there, they were going for there, trying to get into a fifth All Ireland final. Do you know, we set ourselves up. We're going to go out here, and we've nothing to lose. And we know West are going to be in another battle again. I won't say you sacrificed
1: yourself tonight, but you, you didn't get as many scores as maybe you'd like to get, or or as many scores as you normally
3: get. Mm-hmm. What was your role tonight? Because obviously you were effective, but in a very kind of different way. Look, I was just sort to kind of sitting in front of uh, Barry O'Connell, there centre back, because we Galway Galifard's were elite like so trying to put a kind of a barrier in the way. But look, the lads stood up. Do you know was like I didn't get into it at all, no, but other lads kinda came out of their skin like the likes of Tom R. Colin Ryan, Darren Burns was flying it, Dempsey, everyone, everyone kinda stood up and were counted and thankfully it went well for us. Well you say you didn't get into it. You played well, you
1: just didn't, you know, get as many scores, but that wasn't your job tonight. Is that hard to kinda get your head around when you're so. when you're a man who likes to get the scores?
3: <laughs> I dunno, you kinda of do whatever you have to do for yeah. the team, whether it's if you have to sit in the bench or if you have to bring in water to the players and you're told through, to that's what you have to do. It's all it's a team game, there's no I in team like yeah. you know? Now it's Wexford in the final, and it's on here in Turles What do you know about Wexford?
1: You wouldn't have learned much by watching them against Antrim today. I appreciate you probably didn't see the bulk of that game because you were
3: prepping for this, but you would have seen them previously this year already. We would have looked. Wexford have been there, done that, you know. They've serious experience. As I said, Conor McDonnell there has been flying it. They've serious forwards. They're a serious team all round, you know. And the last few years have been there, thereabouts, and like. We're not going to go in and underestimate a team like Wexford. Like We're going to go in and respect them like we've did with all the teams. And look, whether we come out on top or whether they come out on top, we'll just go and see what happens. And you've no real beef with Wexford. There's no history between you. Um, does that make a difference? No, it makes no difference at all. In Ireland, at the end of the day, you we'll go out there you try and win it. And it's every child's dream. And look, Wexford will go out and we'll see what happens.
1: I suppose I say no history I mean no recent history people will bring up 96 but that has yes. nothing to do with G and I suppose you were you were only a toddler at the time
3: jeez I was only I'd say with the mother I'd say inside the stand but no look we'll forget all the passes the future now we'll get on with it yeah.
1: and how much does this Limerick team need in All-Ireland having come close at minor grade particularly in the last couple of years and a lot of those players are a lot of these players
3: yeah. uh, we're, Limerick's crying out for look things didn't go our way with seniors and the minors this year and look we've kind of been we've did well, done so well with, so far with the 21s and look whether we win it or we don't, we'll just go out and we'll enjoy every experience we can get. An all our final, as you said, it's all about getting used to playing them. You know, Limerick haven't been playing them much the last few years, but look, we'll go out and we'll enjoy them. Please God, we get over Oxford.
1: And you still have that kind of hard
3: edge as hurlers, but you're extremely skillful. I mean, this Limerick team are a pleasure to watch. We kind of hurl freely, like, you know. There's no method. It's kind of going out there and express ourselves, and that's what we're trying to do, and thankfully it's been working so far and all. Keen, looking forward to the final. Well done. Thanks very so much.
1: Keen Lynch of Limerick there following their board, Gosh Energy under 21 All-Ireland semi-final win against Galway. It has the makings of a really good final Limerick against Wexford. No recent beef with each other much, but uh, I suppose one's mind cast back to 1996. John Kiley, the Limerick manager, doesn't really want to do that. He was a sub on the day that Wexford overcame at Limerick. Uh, there's also a strong connection to that day on the Wexford side. Larry Murphy who was an outstanding performer in 1996 and indeed 1997, I think he was the man of the match in the uh, 97 Leinster final, is a selector with Wexford. I'm sure there are more connections, but those are the two uh, that uh, jump out. Right, let's concentrate on the senior final on September 6th. Uh, DJ Carey, who's won five All-Irelands and nine All-Stars with the Cats, joins us now. DJ, I was going to start this um, by asking you, about the planning and um, how you how you get your head right as a player or where your head is at at this stage with still, you know, a week and a half to go. The, the game is on Sunday week. But um, news coming out from Kilkenny today that Owen Larkin has broken his thumb. Now, that is, that's very bad news for Kilkenny. It's also desperately hard luck for the player himself.
4: Uh, that's, you know, that's that's very sad, obviously, for Owen and, and for us as, as Kilkenny supporters. Um, you know, but these things, unfortunately, these things happen. You're you're training, you're training hard. You, you can't be wrapped up in cotton wool. Um, you know, I suppose from uh, the second that um, Galway won their semi-final, to Kenny, uh would have been preparing from. They know uh, what Galway are about. Certainly, Galway have improved hugely. Uh, in a lot of areas and I suppose Kenny would have sat down to that so you know these things happen accidents happen and uh, like Owen Larkin is going to be a massive 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 loss if he is out Um, but there's someone jumping at the bit I suppose to come in
1: For Owen himself even if he makes it his preparation will be hamstrung how damaging is that for the player himself and how damaging is that for Brian Cody who kind of you know, might have his plans cast in doubt or might have to come up with a contingency plan, but it throws something at him that he, he didn't want. Now, I won't say he won't be prepared for it because he's Brian Cody, but he didn't want it, certainly.
4: Well, there are certain guys that you want in your team every day and, and no one is one of them. So, obviously, that's, that's a massive kick. Um, you know, uh, uh, but as I said... Uh, there, there will be someone there looking at it. There will be always someone pushing that, saying, this is my chance. They they won't worry about who has got injured, whether he's the biggest name on the team or or not. Um, there'll be someone there busting a the gut now to, to start in All-Ireland or certainly put themselves in the frame. Because uh, I, I'm not sure it'll it'll do. If, if Owen was able to play on the day, um, he has trained all year, he's fit, uh, it, it won't knock a huge amount out of him uh, if he's not prepared. While someone is busting at the at, at their gut to get in.
1: What does Owen Larkin do that others just can't, or what makes Owen so well? I was going to say irreplaceable, but I think we've seen with Kilkenny over the years that you know it's it's hard to use that uh, term regards Kilkenny players because you always seem to find a way.
4: Well, you know, I'm, I suppose I. Leaving his work rate aside, he, he does a huge amount of work. Like he's contributing two and three points every time he plays. Um, he's he's on the ball. He's laying it off. He's running into space. Uh, he just has, and and he takes serious watching because uh, in in a flash he can have a ball over the bar. In a flash he can have the ball in the back of the net, or he can he can put someone through. And um, so. And, and and I suppose on top of that, there's a lot of experience behind him as well.
1: If you're one of the other players, does this put you off, or does another player getting injured damage your focus, damage your confidence? Does it have any effect
4: on you? I don't think it has a huge effect on you as a player because you're focusing on your own game. Um, you know, you're 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 trying to be right. You're trying to improve because every day you go out, you can. You have to improve, you can improve, no matter what the performance was the last day, so the thing is your focus on on your game will obviously you be very sorry for whoever it is is injured, but um, you know you have to go on
1: and does it depend on the player that gets injured, generally speaking? I mean, for someone like Owen, for example, I mean he's such a big player he's so experienced. Would that kind of distract more for other players. Or does it kind of make a difference which player it is, or whoever gets injured, and whatever they do for the team?
4: Uh, again, again, the game is is not individual anymore. Uh, you know, it's going more and more and more into a team sport, team game. And it, it, what I suppose Brian would be saying tonight or tomorrow night in training, we go on. We're a team. It's someone else's opportunity if if that opportunity comes around. Owen Larkin, in the background, if, if this is a broken thumb or a broken finger, he will be doing everything in his power uh, to get that right. For this, like Henry Shefflin a few years ago with, with his knee injury, he'd done everything in his power to play in the final. Owen Larkin will be the same. And, and I suppose, you know, um, with, without lessening the injury itself, um, you, your, your body is still in great shape. It's not a hamstring. It's not a knee. It's not an ankle. Uh, it, it's a, f- a finger or a thumb, depending on where that is. You can still possibly hold a hurl. You can use a glove to play uh, if, it's not, if it doesn't have to be pinned. So, you know, there is always the opportunity still that the body itself is physically in good shape. It's a matter of can I hold a hurl? Can I grab a ball? And if you can do that, well, then it, it, it's a pain barrier.
1: Well the news is just coming out as we speak So let's hope for Owen Larkin's sake That it's a, it's not as serious as Maybe we think it is Or could be The Kilkenny press night Is on Tuesday And we will find out more then um, DJ The reason we, we wanted to talk to you is Because we wanted to find out You know how a player Sets himself up mentally For a final Which is still As we speak Almost two weeks away So put yourself back to when you were playing For Kilkenny Where was your head at this point? Because you know, it's it's obviously on the horizon. It's something maybe you're thinking about all the time, but you can't kind of mentally burn yourself out.
4: No, I I think, you know, we're a number of weeks away, yes. Uh, to Kenny, there will be a couple of big uh, sessions yet, uh, you know, before teams are picked, uh, before anything. So right now, I would imagine everyone is concentrating on uh, trying to put their their name in the hat to play in the All Ireland final. It's not anything maybe there'll be tactics going on, but I would, would see them more happening to, closer to the game. You know, but right now it's it's putting myself in place. You, there'll be a lot of guys there on on the fringes that are in and out. You take Walter Walsh for example, you know, it comes in, he comes out. He'll be looking to nail down a place. There are also a few guys like Michael Fenley, for example. I think, you know, or I believe that Michael can get fitter if he's not injured because he's done very little training with Kilkenny. I would imagine he would have been very much focused on fitness over the last number of weeks. So there are different, you know, it's horses for courses in terms of training and getting yourself right up to speed because. There is no real place in Coke Park on all Ireland final day uh, without you being at, you know, at, at your physical best.
1: And I guess you just keep doing what you've been doing all years because these guys, they have been working for this since, you know, the, the, the winter months, since the, since the dark short days of winter. So there's no point in changing anything because change is actually very often a bad thing. If you try and do something different, you, you'll throw off your preparation and, you know, it, it, it's not good to change what's uh, got you this far.
4: Well, I, I think Brian, uh, Brian has had uh, the formula for winning over a long period of time. So, you know, I'm sure in, in, in the beginning there was mistakes made. We we would have all made them. We would have all done things probably that, you know, that you would have changed. Uh, but I think, you know, certainly over his lifetime and the last 10 or 11 years, um, you know, he, whatever he's doing, he'll, he'll pretty much stick to that. That that won't change. And, uh, you know, I, I think from a Galway point of view, you know, they have to improve on whatever bits and pieces, you know, even though there's a great All-Ireland semi-final to beat Tipperary, there's always room for improvement. Uh, what will they do? Because they're not as experienced as Kilkenny coming up to All-Ireland finals. But all of that, you know... Something will be done in training by one of the teams, whether that's a training session at six in the morning or eleven at night, or whether that's you know a, a complete team goes to a movie together or whatever it is. And if if that team wins in all Ireland, this will be hailed as something brand new and uh, and 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 the winning formula. So uh, and if they lose, they will get the blame for they shouldn't be out late at night or up too early at the morning. So yeah. you know. It's something, what is the advantage? There's nothing really an advantage. Uh, you train, you try and uh, keep fit, you try not to have an injury, um, you you get ready to play on the day, uh, hopefully you're picked on the day, and then you give it everything.
1: And personally, did you do anything different in the couple of weeks from the semi-final to the final? Did you change anything from what you would have done, we'll say, before the semi-finals, Leinster finals, even league games?
4: The, the one thing you'd try, I think, Uh, you try and do is you try and avoid as much as possible of, you know, meeting people who are fanatical. And I mean, you know, you're going to win it on Sunday. Oh, you have it in the bag Uh, or looking at, you know, papers or media stuff. You're trying to avoid as much as possible, all of that. But at the same time, try and actually get on with your with your life because the real build-up for this starts, you know, four or five days beforehand. You know, that's when the real excitement happens because between now and then, you're still training, you're still getting yourself, you're still preparing, all, all that comes into force. But, you know, as soon as the tickets are being issued and as soon as all that excitement and you know, players or supporters are coming to train, and that's, that's when the much bigger build-up and excitement actually happens
1: it strikes me as something that just couldn't possibly happen that people would bother a player for tickets especially if you don't know that player whatever about being immediate family but did people who you barely knew walk up to you and say DJ you know any chance of tickets while you were still playing while you were still trying to get your head right did that uh, actually happen?
4: shame there's many people still owe money for tickets <laughs> <laughs> at this stage who you know might even like to avoid you um, you know and and uh, the, the, the players get a certain amount of tickets to get yeah. six or seven free tickets, which really go on on family, uh, you know. And like it's it's not easy get 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 tickets, but yes, uh, I'm not sure how you know now. But certainly in my my time, maybe you know lads are nearly more in let's say camp at times than than they are actually, you know, as as you know, we just got into our cars, went home or whatever it is. Maybe there's a certain amount of. Uh, understanding much more understanding now than there was then but certainly people would be asking for tickets
1: and as an ex-player do you do you get tired about talking about All-Ireland Finals and the run into it because obviously you know if if I saw a player now the last thing I'd do if it was just a random on the street bumping into meeting or in you know I, I bumped into one or two lads from Kilkenny actually uh, shopping this year the last thing I did was bring up hurling because I figure right they're they're you know they're talking about it all the time. People probably bring it up with them when they meet them, uh, you know, randomly like that. So I try and kind of you know avoid it. But but what about ex players? Do you do you get sick of it now, or or are you actually happy enough to to immerse yourself in it now?
4: Ah, uh, you never get sick of it, Oshin. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. It's it's great. Um, obviously we're supporters now of of the team and the team's coming on. Uh, so. You would never get sick of it, um, and uh, you, you know it's it's just fantastic to see skill, and I, I, everything is improving so much now, uh, and it's just it's just great. And as in Kilkenny, we've just had such a great era. It's continuing. We we didn't think it would continue. It is continuing. Certainly right now, whatever happens, you know, in the All Ireland final, and and just we're so grateful to have been in a time where we was a great manager obviously managers have gone before Brian uh, and and a fantastic team who've just brought the game to another level so I wouldn't bother players too much if I if I saw them I'd absolutely say hello and wish them every success and uh, and, and that but I wouldn't ever ask what's happening in training because that's a, a private thing you know. Do
1: they ever ask you advice modern players, guys who are still involved? Uh,
4: very little now because you know it's it's First of all, you don't see guys that often, to be honest with you. And, and, and secondly, you know, um, fellas are much, much more prepared uh, than they were, you know, in, in my time. And I would have no hesitation in saying at all that if I was playing, if I was 25 or 6 now, I'd have to be more skillful, yeah. stronger, a better striker of the ball. Every aspect of my game, uh, when I was at my best, would have to be much much better now, just to be part of a team uh, or part of a panel. It's it's as simple as that. Everything has improved so much, but you know, there's I, I suppose there's uh, you know there, there's so much um, ma- so many people now in the background that guys are just very very well prepared.
1: Is there any particular story from your preparation that jumps out, good or bad?
4: Uh, I can't I can't really remember too to much to I had a car stolen a couple of weeks before uh, an All Ireland final uh, a number of years ago. So that was that was a bit of a bit of a story I suppose. Um, it's it's hard to know. You see, like I've been in, I I've in I can remember myself that, you know, you could have a hamstring injury or whatever and you might be out for six weeks. Uh but would be past fit on All Ireland final day or you know a big match day, and and would play. You know, so um, I I think that that's the only one I really know that that has happened to is Henry and and uh, you know with his with his cruciate knee a number of years ago. It doesn't happen now. I'm sure if I if if I was to think about it, I'm sure there's many uh, stories. But yeah. like the excitement, like you can take it. That's a simple. You know when I started playing, we drove to all-Ireland finals. We drove in under the, the Hogan stand, parked up you know, close to the dressing rooms, and in we went and tugged out and, and played. Uh, and that then uh, progressed to latter years of getting uh start escort through Dublin, doing whatever, 20 or 30 an hour through the city of Dublin <laughs> through traffic <laughs> so you can imagine how it has improved yeah. over the years
1: Did you prefer driving because you would have had your own individual headspace in the car whereas on the bus you are with the team
4: uh, yeah, Probably but you know um, you drove to whatever hotel you were in and uh, then you know four or five lads packed into a car and uh, mm. you know off you went to croke Park and uh Kind of half went in tandem and waited then for everyone to be in the cars and the the lads opened, Coke park and let us in. That's you know it's, it's, it's pretty it's pretty simple <laughs> stuff washing to be honest with you.
1: Uh, here, just before I let you go, quick question: The year your car was stolen, how did you play? Was it good or bad for your preparation?
4: Uh the year I, my car was stolen was uh oh gosh I don't 2003 obviously because it was a bit of a turmoil year if you can remember that's the year I was captain so yeah probably wasn't my probably wasn't my greatest year anyway uh, there was a lot of stuff going on there was a lot of media attention uh uh on me for other reasons um but uh you know that's that's yep. that's I, I, the stolen car didn't really affect how i played you know yeah. so i suppose at that time too you know and I, without blowing my own i would have been closely marked one way or the other you know so uh, a player that's closely marked well it gives other uh, guys opportunities i suppose such as Galway at the moment Joe Canning would be a very very uh, closely marked guy in every game he plays well uh, certainly, you know, Mannion and these guys are, are stepping up to the to the marks so far this year.
1: Yeah. Do you feel a sympathy for Joe when you hear people criticizing his his score conversion rate? Because he is working hard, but you know, he's not putting up the two twelves kind of thing.
4: I, I I honestly think uh anyone that criticizes Joe Canning or any player for putting the ball wide or any other uh for any other reason a player of his caliber must not have really played the game uh, or must just need something to say because, uh, you know, in play, being hit, being closely marked, uh, the ball could be wet, it could be anything, uh, and you criticise a a, a guy for putting that little small thing wide or or not playing particularly well, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense because I think people have to realise that you are getting hit very very hard. Uh, you can only watch the Gooch, uh, the Gooch uh, Cooper yesterday uh, playing, uh, and maybe he hadn't his best game, um, but uh, he got hit very very hard as soon as he got near the ball. And that's what happens. That's what happens at the highest level. Uh, you're on you're on an individual who doesn't want to let you score. Um, and, you know, you get hit hard. So anyone that criticises guys at that level, you know, I'm not sure have they picked up a hurl too often.
1: DJ, just before I let you go, it's too early for predictions, but I will ask you, what kind of game do you think we'll get? Will we get the kind of game that the Championship has needed? Because outside of Galway against Tip, it hasn't been what you'd call a thoroughly exciting year so far in Hurling.
4: It's it's very difficult to know, Ushin, and I wouldn't care if Kilkenny win in a bad All Ireland final. It's it's something that neutrals and I also wouldn't care if Galway win in a in a great one, to be honest. Now maybe if I was um if Clare and Galway or Cork and Tip or someone was in it, I'm a neutral. So from that point of view, you know, as a player and management you, you, you don't really worry. Um you know, certainly the game has the potential to be fantastic. It ha- You know, I don't think Galway played the sweeper system. Kilkenny don't play it unless, you know, they, they, that's the way the game is going. Um, I'd love to see a 15-on-15 15 15 and go out and go hell for leather and give us 70 minutes of, of you know, pure, exciting, brilliant stuff. Um, but, you know, it'll be the team that'll win... They will dictate whatever tactics uh, go on, and if that's a dour game and you win, uh, it won't matter.
1: DJ Kerry, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on The Thanks Rewind here on News
4: Talk. Thank you very much.
1: This is The Rewind on News Talk. Remember, you can email us on uh, rewind at newstalk.com. Uh, let's talk about rugby now. Ireland play Wales at the Aviva next week in our penultimate World Cup warm up. Uh, Noel Mannion, formerly of Connacht and Ireland, joins us. Noel, you were part of the World Cup squad in 1991. We'll get your memories of the difference between maybe a a World Cup and a five-stroke Six Nations uh, competition. Obviously, it was Five Nations when you played in in just a couple of moments. But uh, first, regards to the current team, are you happy with uh, what you've seen so far are you happy with how
10: preparations seem to be going yeah two, two, two right good games uh, I suppose uh, everybody was surprised by the by the w- the way they handled the Welsh team uh, but I think it has to be said that the Welsh side uh, probably weren't at full tilt I think we'll see a different Welsh team a, di- a different Welsh organisation over here next weekend um, they're in that funny position that they have to hit the ground running in the World Cup they have a, a very very hard opening game whereas Ireland have two relatively well easier games uh, before the start of the big stuff so I think the Welsh team will come over here and you'll pretty much See their, their first team, the front team, on, on display at some stage during that game. The Scottish game, um, I suppose Joe Smith at the back of it all was probably happy um, because they, they got a good test, they got a good run out, and um, he saw things that he can work on and keeps everybody's feet on the ground.
1: Has anyone jumped out at you? Has anyone definitely played their way in? And the flip side, flip side of that is, has anyone played their way out?
10: Well, I, I always find these games very, very difficult. These warm-up games are, are very hard to predict, and they're very hard to know what he's looking for in the games. Is he looking for people to perform? Is he looking for systems to be put in place? Um, he's trying to find a happy mix of that kind of a, you know, people putting their hand up. I suppose of a squad of 31. Regardless what happens in the World Cup in these World Cup warm-up games of a squad of 31, he probably has. 28 pencils in at the end of this stage, regardless what happens, bar a, a disaster. Um, and after that, then it's, it's two or three places up for grabs. But he's pretty much, I'd say, he's, he's pretty much his squad nailed down, regardless what happens. It's, it's the timing and the introduction of, of the frontline players, the Henshaws and the Paul O'Connells and the Conor Murrays, that'll be interesting to see how that develops. I suppose there's two or three spots there. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Isaac Boss appears to have himself off the park uh, based on what some of the media outlets are saying in Dublin uh, with his last performance. Um, you know, Ian Madigan again is hovering around there. Nobody knows exactly where he's going to where he's going to feature Simon Zebo had a very good game so you, know, you, you just don't know what's going to happen I suppose it depends on the way he breaks the team down backs and forwards and then how he how he breaks down them particular units as well I mean I've seen the paper yesterday uh, the rumour is that, that Madigan will be the third choice from half uh, uh, in order to free up another back back position I don't know if that's going to be the case I, I think it's a high risk game to play for him but we we'll wait and see what happens but you know did anybody really put their hand up not really I suppose next game next game is, is kind of the final for everybody the, the squad. Will be announced after that and it'll be uh, all systems go then but I think the squad is pretty much bar one or two players he probably knows exactly what it's going to be
1: As someone who often linked to scrum halves in the past in your role as a number 8 how difficult would it be for Ian Madigan to step in as a number 9 if he is being brought as well you can call him third choice or you can call him emergency scrum half because one gets the feeling that would be a real case of break glass
10: well, like I I worry about that. Murray, Conor Murray um, is one of the players that I feel that has to be kept kept fresh and kept fit in order for Ireland uh, to progress to beyond the, the quarter-final, which is the goal for Ireland to, to get to semi-final and final stages. Um, and I just don't know, I, I, I wouldn't be too sure about playing somebody like Madigan. As, as talented as the young lad is, and a fine footballer, and probably would have the neck to take it on because he's a very, very confident young man. And um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't phase him. Um number nine is a very, very specific position. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very strong link between between eight and ten. And um, Johnny Sexton would be a very demanding number ten. And uh, you know, I don't know would he tolerate that. You know, from that point of view, he would want excellent service. And uh, as good as as good a footballer as Dean Madigan is, I, d- I doubt it. I don't think. I don't think it should. I don't. Think, I don't think he should do it. I don't think he should even consider it
1: one worry we do have about the squad is Kean Healy we're not sure if he'll be fit or not and now as good as Dave Kilcoyne has played and as good as Jack McGrath is Healy would be a massive loss because he does something that just other players can't do he's, he's got pace he's got power he's so important to that scrum he's so important to, to, to broken field play as well
10: yeah he's, he's, he's- He's a real pocket. He's a real pocket dynamo. That guy, and I mean, he can change a game in, in two seconds with his power and his dynamism when he gets onto the ball. Uh, leaving aside his basic core work of lifting and scrummaging, uh, which is uh, given at this stage, it's what he adds around the pitch and his strength. But it's a worry at this stage that he's, he's still not on the park. Um, how much time Josh Smith gives him, who has, a, who has a history of not really being tolerant of injuries, that he you know he, he makes his call and that's it. Uh, but he appears to be given Healy every every second he can before he makes that final call. Um, I suppose he'd really have to see him at some stage at the weekend, uh, in order to, to give him that chance to get on the plane. Um, I don't know whether he let it go for another week to the following week, because really, in fairness to all the other players involved, uh, both with and the backup coming up behind him, they all have to be given a chance as well. So, you know, it's, it's a high-risk strategy, but I mean, he does place a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of faith in Keane Healy, and I suppose he'll give him every single second. I suppose that's the only real bad injury worry that he has, which is not bad uh, going into a, going into a World Cup.
1: I know it's, it's different now obviously it's professional but in 91 when you played in the World Cup it was a relatively new entity it was only the second time it was ever hosted it was in this part of the world kind of similar enough to this one of course there were games in Ireland there aren't this time around. How different was it mindset wise to we'll say playing in a five nations?
10: Well, it was totally different. You, you, you first of all you were basically on tour in your own country, really. That's, that's where you were we were in Finstown House for, for the majority of that uh, for the majority of that period. Um, and we had the build up, we had the warm up games. I remember we went to Gloucester and last, and there was pandemonium and um there was a there was a lot of stuff going on at that stage, and we, you know, 1991, the first little uh, with rumours of professionalism and, and pay for play were just beginning to, to just begin to start. Training had turned very professional just at that stage. I remember we were into weights and into us and playometrics and all the stuff they're talking about now was just starting. Uh, with a guy called Colin Borum from from uh, from Belfast, uh, Queen's University he was down doing all the fitness with us. Eddie Sullivan was there, um, doing the fitness work as well. And it was it was like it was it was a first start of it. It was it was tough. Now look it was still enjoyable there were still a few points had by everybody um, and it was a very it was a kind of a social thing as well but but it was strict and it was just the start of it it was just beginning uh, you could just see the beginnings of professionalism beginning to, to sprout um, and uh, that tournament was a great tournament it was a fantastic tournament we went within a kick of a cat to get into a semi-final um, but that's the way it goes you know that's the, way, that's the way these things happen but the training was hard and then it was you know we had the build up we had the same thing we had the build up we had the fitness sessions we had the we didn't have the exactly same professional camp that they have at the moment because we were all working but we had weekends up there uh, up in Dublin uh, getting 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 ready for it we had fitness programmes to get through um, and it was just the start as I said of, of that, professional, that professional era
1: and you could argue as well that was Ireland's most successful ever World Cup so far why do you think we haven't really taken to it we've had some big wins one thinks of the win against Australia last time out but unfortunately we didn't back it up in the quarter final.
10: Well, the problem with Ireland has been, has been consistency. I mean, I, you know, on any given international, uh, you know, six nations, five nations or four nations as it was at the time, Ireland could always produce one or maybe two performances. It was, the trick was to put together four or five, and it was only when, you know, Kidney um, came along, maybe Eddie O'Sullivan, uh, and then and now Joe Smith, where putting together back-to-backs were very, very crucial. And then you go, you go to a World Cup then, where you have, you know, four 4 warm-up or five warm-up games, depending on your group, quarter-final, semi-final, final. And it's really, really hard, you know, to to put that together bang 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 you know in the space of whatever it is five to six weeks takes a lot of organisation a lot of dedication and an awful lot of luck and you know once you get into them positions you know everything tightens up I hear people saying you know if we win this and win that we'll get an easy draw in the quarter final when you get to the quarter final of a World Cup the last day there's no easy no easy game uh, they're all difficult you're going to be playing you know potential World Cup winners are going to be in that eight and uh, it's going to be very loud like last year we thought all we should do was to beat Wales and we were laughing um, and, and probably got carried with the last World Cup we probably got carried away with it a little bit but you know when you get to the last eight everything tightens up and suddenly becomes a knockout and uh, you know all the work that you've done all the, the build up it suddenly gets very very tight and, and, and we unfortunately we haven't had that bit of luck to get us that, that that final step this year you know, Of all the years that we've done it, we keep saying it, this, this could be the year, but I think you know, uh, knowing of Joe Smith's training and the way he operates the system, um, you know, I think this is going to be it for Ireland. If they don't do it this year, this World Cup, it might be a while before we'll be talking like, that, like this again. I think he's got the squad of players, um, he's got the momentum himself, uh, it's in the Northern Hemisphere, we're pretty much based at home really if he wants to be. Um, it's not, you know, there's no change of language or anything like that or, or time zones, so it really is in his lap. Um, I'm not saying we have an easy group we have, there's no easy groups in us but we have an easier group um, we have our two easier games first which gives us a lead in uh, we know what we have to do against Italy and we know what we have to do against France so you know, provided everybody can stay fit and provided everybody can stay focused um, there's no, absolutely no reason why this Irish team uh, can't get to the semi-final of the World Cup absolutely no reason and once you get to the semi-final stage then you're definitely in the lap of the gods because you know a bad refereeing decision, a good refereeing decision, a piece of luck is going to swing it one way or the other. But I think for Ireland to get to that stage, the need, uh, need O'Connell and Murray and Sexton have to stay fit and fresh. Them three players are crucial, both because of the, they're such good players and the backup, maybe not what we want. Uh, Ian Madigan is not nailing down that 10 spot and worse Sexton to get injured very early on in the tournament, and it would be a disaster. Murray, you know, it hasn't featured so far, but I mean, crucial, uh, crucial to Ireland. Uh, nothing against Don Redden, Isaac Boss, Kieran Merriman, whoever goes, um, but he is an linchpin. Then and then O'Connell, I think. You know. He, he regardless of his ability, it's his presence and it's it's his presence around the pitch and it's his authority in the way that other players look up to him. He is absolutely going to be vital uh, going into the last stage of this World Cup. So if can keep them three fit and and that's not been disrespectful to Sean O'Brien or Jamie Heaslip or Rob Carney or Robbie Henshaw but I think them three players are absolutely crucial for for Joe Schmidt in order to get beyond uh, the quarterfinals.
1: And Noel, just before I let you go, can the hype be a good thing? I mean, people always refer to hype as a bad thing and you want to protect players from it but... Can you allow players to soak up the good vibes from the fans? We're kind of allowed to get a bit carried away. We're allowed to think of what might be. Players have to stay focused. But you want them to be
10: confident. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, these, these players now are, are... A lot of this squad are highly successful in their own right, both club and, 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 and with country. These guys know how to handle hype and they know how to handle the pressure. Um, I suppose, look, it's the same old story. It all depends. It, it's an old feature that's used. It's on the day. Um, you know, Things like who wants it more, etc. So, like... We, we, It'll be be unknown territory for some of these lads, the World Cup. uh, getting to the quarterfinal, it'll be unknown territory for them. It's how they react to that. And that's where the experience of the O'Connells and his are going to be crucial. Uh, When they get to that final stage, one would assume that we are going to get to the quarterfinal, and I think that's a given, uh, provided we have a disaster altogether. After that, then, depending on who you draw, um, there will be massive hype. Uh, and no matter what Joe Schmidt does to try and calm it down and try and, 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 and drown it out a bit, it's going to be there. But I think these players and this squad are well, well used to hype. They're well used to the, um, of the massive publicity and of, of, of expectation. And I think that they will they be well able to handle it. I think that will be. I think that might be the least of Joe Schmidt's worry. I think. I think uh, injury and fitness and staying focused on, 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 on getting that extra step is going to be crucial.
1: Noel Mannion, thanks for joining us. All right, get up. Well, before we go, we'll stick with the man of the West we've just heard from Noel Mannion. Now it's Joe Coffey of uh, The Right Hook and Team 33, but uh, Joe is also a Gaelic football writer. Joe, Mayo taking on a Dublin in the All-Ireland semi-final next Sunday. And um, the atmosphere seems quite buoyant amongst Mayo supporters.
11: I think uh, the atmosphere is of optimism. I think that of uh, a- a- before the Donegal game a lot of people would have been apprehensive about the Mayo team despite the big victory against Sligo but I think uh, since that performance and the fact that it was such a complete performance from Mayo I think uh, people are optimistic that they can do the job uh, on Sunday. What's impressed you about
1: Mayo so far and impressed the Mayo fans?
11: Uh, oh it's definitely how solid they look at the back um, like obviously against Sligo, you could argue, okay, they gave up two eleven, but it's different because when you're that far ahead, you're going there's going to be you, when you when you push that far up, you're going to leave holes at the back. But against Donegal, it was the fact that they really shut out the game. It's the first time I've seen Mayo. It, I didn't see Mayo shut out any game last year, so it makes a big difference in that sense. And the fact that um, there was a fifteen minute period in that match in the second half against Donegal where Mayo didn't score, but Donegal only scored one point, and th- that kind of thing makes a difference. Because if you look at the previous season, they were eight points ahead of Cork at one stage and they only ended up winning by one. Whereas against Donegal, they held their lead throughout.
1: Um, they haven't really played anyone yet except for Donegal, and that's a Donegal who weren't playing particularly well. Um, so they've only had one really stern test because Galway, even in, in Salt Hill that day, kind of put it up to them, but but kind of didn't. So is there still the same worries as there has been over the last couple of years? Um well,
11: it's the same for Dublin. Like Dublin have only had one real test in the last two years, and they failed it, and that was against Donegal. So, you, you, no matter, no matter who you're. Um, I think for the big teams, the reality is, by and large, maybe with the exception of Kerry, it's very difficult to get it to get a hundred a percent test until you reach this stage, just because there is such a gap between the top four and everybody else. Um, so. I wouldn't be particularly no. I don't like if Mayo lose on Sunday. It won't be because they haven't been tested.
1: And watching Kerry in the All Ireland semi final against Tyrone, did you spot anything that made you think, God, if Mayo got a crack at them, or even Dublin, watching it with your football brain as opposed to your, as opposed to your Mayo one, was there anything that kind of jumped out at you that you could exploit? Well, they're they've massive holes in their in their full
11: back line. I mean, Tyrone got to got through three or four times uh, in uh, uh, in the match similarly Mayo last year you know they scored three goals against them in the replay and you know Mayo wouldn't be a team last year that scored that many goals I think somebody like Aidan O'Shea playing full forward if they were in the final and similarly for Dublin it's the same thing I think Dublin would get through all you have to do is run down the middle I think they're really suspect in their full back line and I think that's where people will be targeting
1: Prediction for next Sunday
11: Well, to be honest, the heart says Mayo, but the head says Dublin.
1: Okay, but what are you actually saying here? Because that's the biggest cop out ever. (laughs) Heart says Mayo.
11: Okay, Mayo to win by three. Joe Coffey, thanks
1: for joining us. You're very welcome. Well, that's it for The Rewind this week. We're back next Monday with the full review of the All-Ireland semi-final between Mayo and Dublin. And we continue our All-Ireland hurling final look ahead. We'll be hearing from both camps next week Uh, there'll be rugby with Ireland naming their squad for the World Cup while in the Premier League we'll reflect on the weekend including Off the Ball's big live and exclusive commentary next Sunday of Swansea against Manchester United until next week uh, take care don't forget I'm with you every morning just before half 7 and half 8 on News Talk Breakfast and Off the Ball is with you every night this week uh, from 7 o'clock of course on Saturday they're on air from 1 on Sunday they're on air from 12 take care good luck